Podcastle episode 343 for December 23rd, 2014, Elf Employment by Heather Shaw and Tim Pratt, rated G. Hello and happy holidays from all your friends here at Podcastle. Why just friends? Bitter enemies too. I'm your host and co-editor, Dave Thompson, and this being the week of Christmas, we have our own tradition, a brand new holiday story by Heather Shaw and Tim Pratt, exclusive for you, our Podcastle friends. And enemies too. When she was younger, my daughter used to be terrified by the song Santa Claus is Coming to Town. This was something of a difficulty for me as the Bruce Springsteen cover is one of my favorite Christmas songs, but she begged us not to listen to it one Christmas, and so I listened to it a lot less that year. I think it was the omniscience that Santa seems to possess. Whether you're sleeping or awake, good or bad, he sees you. So be good, for goodness sakes. This is not a scary story in the least that we're going to tell you today. Instead, it's a charmer filled with good, sweet magic, and I suspect I'll be listening to it multiple times with my kids. But yeah, that Santa has that kind of access is a little unsettling sometimes, isn't it? Why does he need an elf on the shelf again? It's almost like God needing a spaceship. Like I said, this story is a charmer, but it's got a little bit of darkness right under that sweet surface, and I dig that. We've run a bunch of holiday stories by Tim and Heather. This is number five, I believe. And Tim is our most published author here at Podcastle. Podcastle trivia players might know that we've also had Wilson Foley narrate more stories than anyone else here at Podcastle. Oddly, though, he's never narrated a story by Tim or Heather at Podcastle before. So, here we are, my friends. Tim Pratt... Heather Shaw and Wilson Fowley, together again for the first time. Funny thing, I almost didn't ask Wilson to read this story because of the timing. We're cutting it way close, and I was actually considering reading it myself. And kind of on a whim, I thought, hmm, what about Wilson? An email to ask if he was interested. And not only was he, he said he was considering emailing me to ask to do it. Serendipitous, huh? I'm really, really glad he did, because my Santa couldn't hold up a candle to Wilson's. Tim Pratt and Heather Shaw smell like gingerbread, but only when they're together. Tim has a new book out called Heirs of Grace, which he says you should all buy. Who wants to argue with Tim Pratt, man? Not me. Tim and Heather are great people to work with. They never fail to impress us with their holiday stories. I don't know how many of them they feel like they can churn out, but... I'm really happy that we started asking them to do these for us after the Christmas Mummy every year. They're really good at them, and I always feel very unique and different. It's just a real pleasure to keep this tradition going. Wilson Fowley is our reader this week, as I mentioned, and I'm going to be totally honest, there's really just not enough nice things I can say about him here. He is wonderful to work with, and it's always a delight to have him read for us here. There's a reason that we've asked him to read more stories than anyone else. When he's not narrating for us at Podcastle or curating our Facebook page, Wilson's the music director of the Maple Leaf Singers, who I will one day hear in concert. I swear it. In the meantime, I'm just going to have to hunt for more Podcastle stories that involve Wilson singing. Spoiler alert, there are sadly no songs in this episode. 
So, make a list, check it twice, find out who was naughty and who was nice. Enjoy the story. Elf Employment by Heather Shaw and Tim Pratt Alex was seven when he ran away to join Santa's elves. If anyone had asked why he wanted to leave home, he would have said, I hate it here. Actually, he would have said, I'm not telling you, then raced into his room and slammed the door, which is one way to say, I hate it here, in the language of seven-year-olds. Alex had his reasons. Even after he started second grade, his parents made him go to bed at 7.30, even though all his friends stayed up until 8, and Fletcher didn't go to bed until 9 p.m., an unmatched hour in his little boy crew. For Halloween, Alex wasn't allowed to be Darth Vader because his parents didn't like him idolizing villains, and they made him be a Jedi Knight instead. Alex made the best of it by telling everyone he was young Anakin Skywalker, a detail he kept from his parents so they wouldn't change his costume into something stupid like old Obi-Wan. He wasn't allowed play dates with the two kids he liked the most, just because they got in trouble for chasing some kindergartners and putting dirt in their hair. What was the big deal? Alex had gotten dirt rubbed in his hair when he was new, too. But it wasn't until Thanksgiving that things became unbearable. Alex had secretly become a vegetarian after going on a field trip to a little farm and looking at the sweet-faced cows and plump pigs. He got away with it by slipping meat from his plate to the family dog. But Thanksgiving was at his aunt's house, and even though he was at the kids' table and wasn't watched too closely, the lack of a carnivorous dog under the table, combined with cloth napkins he couldn't throw away, made it impossible to hide the uneaten turkey on his plate. Alex, finish your meal. I'm full, Mom. We don't waste food. Finish it. Mom, I don't eat meat anymore. Silence from the grown-up table. Uncle Mike was a turkey farmer. He glowered at Alex. Alex's dad cleared his throat. <clears throat> That's ridiculous. Stop acting out to get attention. Eat your turkey. Dad, I stopped two months ago. We would have known if you'd stopped two months ago. Don't lie. Eat your dinner. You'll hurt your aunt's feelings. Alex choked down the dry turkey. He tried to slather it in cranberry sauce, but his mother scolded him not to be disgusting, and his father said, Use gravy like a normal person. Alex tipped the plate over, spilling the rest of the food onto the floor. Oops, he said flatly. You did that on purpose, his father shouted. Prove it, Alex screamed, and had to spend the rest of the visit in the guest bedroom, with nothing to do but stare out the window or hide under the bed, pretending he was in a cave in the woods. That night he had a horrible stomach ache. His mother was sympathetic at first, but when Alex said he was sick because they'd force-fed him turkey, she got annoyed. That's enough from you, mister. Go to bed, and no more of fake belly aching. But, Mom, don't make me get your father. His father had gotten crankier as the day went on. Being forced to be not just civil but jovial with his in-laws did that to him. He drank more than usual, because it made him more easygoing, but only to a point. Then it made him mean. Alex didn't want that turned on him. He shut his mouth and rolled over to face the wall. His mother stood there watching him. He could feel her disapproval burning into his back. He knew she was gone when the pressure of her glare vanished. The next day, 
his mother dragged him along to the Black Friday sales. Alex had the impression that she would have preferred to leave him home, but his father's mood had only blackened overnight, and even his mother seemed wary of him. She took her bad mood out on Alex, hurrying him into his daytime clothes, shoving a dry granola bar into his hand for breakfast, refusing to go back into the house when he forgot his water bottle. At the mall, the crush of people seemed to invigorate his mother, who had a competitive streak, and took it as a personal challenge to take advantage of the best sales. Alex lost her several times in the crush of people, wandering the store in near tears over having been abandoned, until he found her in line buying candlestick holders shaped like reindeer, or shoes decorated with fake mistletoe. It was nearly lunchtime when they stumbled into the central hub of the mall. The crush of bodies and winter coats and shopping bags had been Alex's vista all day long, but as the ceiling opened up into the two-story atrium, the sparkle of tinsel and mechanical reindeer, creakily pumping their legs back and forth as if they were flying in place, entered his view. The holiday display was the loveliest thing Alex had seen in hours. No, in days, weeks, months. And he immediately knew where he was and what he wanted to do. "'Santa!' Alex cried. "'No,' said his mother. "'Mom, I want to see Santa!' "'Alex, that line is forever long, "'and I am only a quarter of the way through my list. "'I do not have time to wait with you to see Santa.' "'She seemed to realize how cruel that sounded. "'Alex wondered if another parent had shot her a judgmental look, "'and she softened her voice a bit. "'Not today, honey. "'So don't wait with me. "'I'll wait by myself.' Alex, don't be ridiculous. You broke down crying when I went one aisle away at the shoe store. I'm not leaving you alone for half an hour. Then she muttered, much as I'd like to, probably thinking he couldn't hear. But it's Santa, Mom. It's fun and cool. I'll be fine. They're good with kids. Santa will take care of me. He wasn't entirely sure he believed in Santa anymore. Some of the kids at school said he wasn't real. But he still felt the old thrill the sense that there was good, sweet magic in the world. Alex's mum looked like she wanted to protest, but then thought better of it. She looked longingly toward the stores, then back down at Alex. Well, you're seven, a big boy. You'll probably be okay in line for Santa. The sign says the wait from here is half an hour. I'm going to those kiosks over there. I'll be able to see you most of the time. If you don't see me when you're done... Wait by the crisscrossed giant candy canes, okay? Thanks, Mom! Alex took his place at the end of the line, vibrating with excitement. He still couldn't see much ahead of him except for bodies waiting in line. A couple of the adults looked down at him, then around for his grown-up, their eyebrows inevitably shooting up when they realized he was there on his own. The kids gave him wide-eyed but envious glances at his independence. Alex swelled a bit with pride. He was big enough to wait in line by himself. The line moved forward until he stood between the red and green garland ropes held up by big candy canes. On the other side of the ropes, Christmas was in full frolic, with automated snowmen singing carols and woodland animatronic animals chittering and cocking their implausibly big heads in wonder. A bit later on, elves, real live people in elf costumes, were putting on a little skit. Something about arguing over who got the promotion from Santa this year. Alex overheard an adult mutter they'd ripped it off from a TV show, 
but Alex couldn't figure out why they'd bothered. None of the kids seemed to think it was funny, though some of the adults chuckled. What seemed like a magical eternity later, Alex inched up to a break in the rope. An elf stood guard at the entrance, a stern look on his face as he examined each child who passed by. When he looked Alex over, he froze. The kid behind him bumped into Alex and started to protest, but cut off in a squeak when she saw the look on the elf's face. The elf wasn't the biggest. In fact, he was one of the smallest among the cast. But he looked the most official, the most imposing, the most real. Alex swallowed as the small man in green looked him over. How old are you? The elf had a surprisingly deep voice for one so little. Seven, nearly eight. Uh huh. Things going kind of hard at home, are they? Alex blinked. What? What do you mean? Hush. I'm the one asking questions here. Do you wet the bed? Alex drew himself up. I do not. He hadn't in over a year. The elf nodded. Good enough. He turned and walked down the path leading away from the opening in the rope. Alex hesitated a moment, but the little girl behind him whispered, "What are you waiting for?" and gave him a shove to get him going. He hurried down the path after the elf. The way wound through the woodland scene. Past the mechanical squirrels and the uncanny snowmen, the decorations got further apart, and the dry, stuffy, heated mall air faded into the colder, crisper feel of true winter. Soon, snowflakes, so few and far between, Alex thought he was imagining them at first, fell and melted on his cheeks. Alex could see his breath. He started to shiver. The elf noticed and tisked. Left your coat with your mom, huh? She made us get a locker for them. Ah, very practical. He paused. Do you want to go back? It's not too late. But if you want to meet Santa, you'll have to follow me. Alex had waited half an hour already. He wasn't going to stop now because it was a little cold. I'll keep going. The elf shucked his own green jacket and handed it to Alex. Underneath, he wore an identical green jacket. Alex stared. What are you gawping at? Put the jacket on before you catch your death of cold, little boy. Alex put the jacket on. It was warm, made of something like wool but not scratchy at all, and it smelled simultaneously of nutmeg and cinnamon and peppermint and a sweet sour smell Alex couldn't quite place. It fit him perfectly, and Alex felt like he was being cradled by the most loving pair of arms he'd ever felt. He'd been feeling a bit tired. His mom had gotten him up before dawn so she could hit the early bird sales, and he'd been dragging around the mall all day on only a breakfast bar, and it was long past time for lunch. But the jacket seemed to give him more energy. He felt rested and full of so much energy it was like assembly day morning. Much better. Okay, onward. We've got a long way to go before dark. The elf continued at a much faster pace. Disappearing between two pine trees draped artfully with heavy snow and accented with tiny, shiny red berries, Alex blinked at the sudden disappearance and looked back the way they'd come for the first time since he'd left the roped-in path. There was nothing behind him except more snow, more trees, and a long line of their footprints stretching back over a hill. There was no sign of the central hub of the mall, or of the crowds, or of anything but the snowy landscape. Alex exclaimed and hurried after the elf, 
not wanting to be left alone out here in the middle of nowhere. The trees he rushed between seemed to blur, and the wind stung his face as if he were rushing down a hill on his sled. The distant bright green and red dot of the elf grew rapidly larger, and the next thing Alex knew he'd slammed right into the back of him. "'Hey there, watch it, buddy!' Alex stared. This wasn't his elf, but a girl elf, her long blonde braids whipping in the cold air as she turned to glare at him. "'Oh, sorry. I thought you were someone else.' Alex looked around in confusion. He was no longer on the snowy, tree-dotted hillside, but instead in what appeared to be a peppermint-striped archway, leading into an enclosure made of snow-capped cottages, their brown timbers making charming accents against the white landscape. "'Coming through! Heads up!' The girl shoved Alex to the side just before a team of reindeer, their harnesses glittering gold and red, jingling with bells, rushed past, pulling a sled mounded with what appeared to be trash. Alex gaped after it, watching it pull through the courtyard into a barn-like garage on the other side. Elves swarmed toward the sleigh as it came to a stop, some unharnessing the deer, others hauling the trash bags off the sled and hurling them down a chute. "'In or out, boy!' You're worse than a cat. I'm not sure. I was following an elf. The girl elf laughed. <laughs> You'll have to narrow it down. In case you haven't noticed, you're either an elf or a reindeer around here. A boy elf. Not me, then, and you're not my problem. She started off. Wait, I don't know what I'm doing here. Not my sleigh, not my reindeer. But you're the only one talking to me. She sighed. I'm too nice. Pipsdottle, you're too nice, they tell me, and you know what? They're right. Unscheduled recruitment duty. It's not even my year to talk to you noobs. Recruitment duty? Yeah, you're a new recruit. You want me to work at the mall? Alex asked, knowing she didn't mean that at all. The girl laughed. <laughs> no, Sugar Plum, at the North Pole. At Alex's blank look, she whistled. Not the regular, actual North Pole. That's all melting ice and nothing. No, this is the real North Pole. Bumble Boy must have recruited you. He thinks it's funny to bring you in and never explain anything. You're lucky I'm nice. She put her hand on Alex's shoulder. You're an elf now, press-ganged into service at Santa's workshop. Alex gaped, then grinned. Pipstottle laughed. <laughs> Smile while you can. Who knows? Maybe you'll keep smiling. Let's find you a bunk. She showed him to the lower bed of a triple-decker bunk bed in the middle of a barracks full of the same. Pipstottle assured him the room would be full of other boy elves at night, and Alex thought of his own bedroom all to himself at home. Pipstottle told him that the longer he stayed, the further towards the corners his bunk would be until he was up near the ceiling in one of the corners. It's warmest up there, and hardly anyone can see you, she explained. But you've got to earn your rest. Let's put you to work. His first job was garbage duty, grabbing the bags as they came in and hurling them down the chutes. Alex made a comment about starting at the bottom and working his way up. Pipstottle laughed and said, Oh no, I pulled in a favor for you because I like you. This is second-year duty. The first-years usually work on the other end of the chutes. What's on the other end? That's where they recycle the garbage, to get raw materials, to make the toys. Santa's toys are all recycled? Most of them, yeah, for the past thirty years or so. Santa's really concerned about the environment lately. He's a good guy, 
worries about stuff like that. Of course, he's Santa. Pipsdottle rolled her eyes. Alex had trouble sleeping that first night. Some of the other boys, no, they were elves just like him, cried, and other kids yelled at them to shut up, and it was late before everyone settled down. Some of the kids wet the bed. Maybe their recruiters hadn't screened for that, so the whole place smelled a little like pee, and the snoring was endless. He woke in the night, confused, and cried out for his mom. Another kid yelled, Shut up! Your mom's not here! The next morning, Alex woke to clanging silver bells, and everyone started marching off to their workstations. Do we get breakfast? Alex said. One of the other boys pointed to a barrel full of breakfast bars. They were all peppermint flavor, and there was a big barrel of melted snow with tin cups attached with chains so they could dip and sip as they left the barracks. Alex chewed the dry bar, looking around for someone to complain to, but there were no grown-ups, no parents, just other elves, who yelled at him to get to work. He was running late already. That whole first year, Alex was on shoot duty. He'd rise, eat a peppermint breakfast bar, haul trash all morning, break for a lunch of lightly salted porridge, haul trash all afternoon, eat a meal of some weird pudding that tasted like figs, and collapse into bed, dreaming of either sugar plums or of nothing at all. In the beginning, he tried to stay awake, to read. There was a little pile of battered old Christmas books in a box in the corner, but the work was too tiring, and before long he just slept. The elves got Christmas Day off, their one holiday of the year, and while there were no gifts under any of the scraggly trees, they could play with the broken defective toys that weren't good enough for the children of the world. At day's end, those toys were dropped down the recycling chutes to be made into toys for next year. He tried to hide a one-eared stuffed bear under his mattress, but when he came back from work, it was gone. He cried, but quietly, because the other elves were vicious if they sensed weakness. The following day, when he saw a crop of newbies arrive, stumbling around, looking impossibly young, just like always, he didn't ignore them. He remembered his own confusion and stopped long enough to point them in the right direction, even if he didn't take any under his wing, the way Pip's doddle had for him. The next year, Alex moved up to reindeer maintenance, which wasn't nearly as fun as he'd imagined. Reindeer created a really astonishing amount of poop. They could be bad-tempered, and because they could speak, they made lots of snide comments, making fun of his too long hair, laughing through their yellow teeth at him. Alex ignored them and did his job the best he could, easing off their harnesses and brushing them down after their daily training, laying clean warm blankets over them before leading them into their stalls. Pipsdottle told him not to pay them any mind. Reindeer thought they were better than everyone else, and if he ignored them, he wasn't playing into their reindeer games. Eventually, one of the older reindeer commented that Alex did a pretty good job with the brush, and after that the others stopped laughing and calling him names. The teasing didn't end entirely, that was how they communicated, but they treated him pretty much how they treated each other. Unfortunately, not long after winning the affection of the herd, Alex was promoted out of the stables and into the workshop proper. Here he was the lowest of the low again, and the elves weren't all that much nicer than the reindeer. 
Still, at least now he was part of production and actually handled the toys. Of course, he didn't get to play with the toys, they just passed through his hands. At first, he boxed up the toys off the assembling line, but soon he was transferred to the wrapping department, eventually rising to bow duty. Alex mastered the most elaborate bows and always chose fun, contrasting colors to make the ribbons stand out bright blue on orange, red on teal, pink on silver. Finally, after he'd been there more seasons than he could count, Alex met Santa as promised. Pipsdottle told him about the meeting as she handed him the official red and gold invitation. The big guy wants to meet you. You've done really well, Alex. Alex opened the invitation, a summons to meet Santa Claus the next night. Alex's hand shook slightly as he read over the note again and again. We should get you new duds, Pipstottle said, looking him over. Why? Alex looked down at his fuzzy green tunic, his striped leggings, his curl-toed shoes. These haven't worn out at all, even though I wear them all the time. Those clothes won't get old or wear out any more than you will. They're magic. But if you're going to meet the big guy, you shouldn't wear your trainee uniform. You should have traded in for an apprentice outfit years ago. Oh, I didn't know. Why would you? Trainees don't know anything, she guffawed. She took him to one of the cottages surrounding the courtyard, a tailor shop Alex had failed to notice in all the time he'd been there. The tailor looked Alex over, and his bushy white eyebrows shot up when Pipstottle said he was meeting the big guy soon. You can't wear that, he said. Why do you think we're here? Pipstottle shot back. He needs apprentice. No, not apprentice. Not if he's meeting the chief. He needs at least journeyman gear to meet Santa. Pipstottle sniffed and muttered about it being too much. But when the tailor pulled out a gleaming red and gold jacket and pants, her mutters trailed off. It's stylish. I'll give you that, she said. The tailor nodded and motioned Alex into the changing room. He took his old outfit off and donned the new regalia. He felt strange. Too fancy. He took a deep breath and came out of the little room. You look so good, you should be on top of a tree somewhere, Pipstottle said, and he blushed. The day Alex met Santa, there was a terrible snowstorm, winds howling and ice flying, though the bad weather stopped at the edge of the courtyard as always. Only gently drifting snow was allowed in there. Alex shivered as he crossed the courtyard with Pipstottle, the sky angry above him. They went through fancy silver doors taller than the bunks in the barracks. He was now in the corner, but still on the bottom bunk. The doors opened smoothly, and the two elves went into the antechamber, where they were greeted by a tall-ish elf standing behind a lectern, poring over a ledger. "'You have an appointment?' he whispered. "'I do,' Alex said. The elf stared Pipstottle down until she backed away. "'I'll just be going, then. Good luck, Alex.' The taller elf pointed to a plush green chair. Alex sat. After a time that felt longer than the wait for Christmas morning, an even bigger set of doors, gold with a pointed arch at the top, yawned open. Alex peered through, expecting a long, elaborate aisle leading to a throne. But instead the great doors opened onto a homier scene. A cheery fire crackled in a big fireplace before an overstuffed armchair, its back to the doors. Alex could just see the top of a balding head peeking over the top of the chair. Come in and shut those ridiculous doors. 
You're letting in a draft. Santa's voice was full of barely contained merriment, as if he might burst into chortles of ho-ho-ho at any moment. Alex was not as comforted by the warmth in Santa's voice as he'd hoped, and scurried in as if he'd been scolded. He stood behind the chair as the doors shut behind him. Come around where I can see you. Alex stepped nearer the fire and made himself turn and face the chair. Santa was old, impossibly old, but as round and jolly as promised. His skin was remarkably smooth, but his eyes were dark and full of centuries. The boy-turned-elf stood as still as he possibly could, but he couldn't stop himself from swaying and shaking. So, how do you like being an elf, Alex? He hesitated. He didn't love it or hate it, not any more. It was just his life. It's, uh, magical, sir. You do a good job. Thank you, sir. You like your accommodations? The bunk is comfortable? The food tasty? He tried to think of something good to say about the never-changing food. Well, they never make me eat meat, sir. I like that. Santa chuckled. Alex was disappointed it wasn't a ho-ho-ho. You have friends here? Yes, sir. Well, one, I guess. Pipsdottle. Ah, yes. She's a kind spirit. I'm glad she took an interest in you. Sorry about Bumble Boy. It's hard to coordinate who brings in which recruits. I'd have preferred someone like Pips for you from the beginning if I'd realized you were coming that day. I thought I was picked at random. Santa laughed again. <laughs> I pick and choose, Alex. Not everyone needs to be an elf. You mean deserves to be? Like you don't take any naughty kids? Santa fixed his gaze on Alex. No, I mean needs. Every one of my elves needs a different life. I don't take boys and girls because they're good and well-behaved. Oh, some of you are, or try to be. But why would I take children like that away from healthy, happy families? No, I look for unhappy children, those who aren't loved, or are loved in a poisonous way, who tremble in fear at night, who've forgotten how to laugh, who become desperate enough to steal and hurt people. Which reminds me, watch out for Perry Willow. He came to us too late. Alex blinked. You took me because my parents were mean to me? Santa sighed. <sighs> yes, though honestly, yours weren't as bad as I assumed when I watched you when you were sleeping and awake. Sometimes parents are strict, but just because they're scared or tired or worried. We looked in on you and saw you sobbing hiding under your bed, hiding in the bushes, and assumed they were doing something terrible. Were they? Alex wrinkled his forehead in thought. It had been so long since he'd seen them. I mean, they didn't hit me or anything, but they could be pretty mean. Santa grunted. They seem awfully sorry to have lost you. Santa gestured to the fire, and Alex saw an image of his parents in the flames, his mother crying, his father staring into space. How long have I been gone? It's been years, hasn't it? They're still crying? Santa waved his hand. Time doesn't matter here. Huh? Your parents are sorry. I think they've learned their lesson. I can bring you back to, well, to right after you left. It will be as if your mother just lost sight of you for a moment. 
How do you think I deliver all those toys in a night? Time does what I want. But if I've never left, how will they learn their lesson? Santa laughed, this time a startlingly hearty, Ho, ho, ho! The air in the room went silver and blue and shimmered, making Alex blink his eyes. He felt dizzy as the air cleared. He looked back up at Santa. Magic, Santa shrugged. I've got it. I know how to use it. I can make losing track of you in the mall for ten minutes cut like the pain of losing you for years, sharp and fast and deep, to leave a lasting mark. I don't claim your parents will be perfect, but they will remember how much you mean to them and perhaps treat you a bit more carefully. If you can do all that, why did you bring me here for so long? Why not just fix the bad parents? Santa shook his head. I'm not fixing the bad parents. My magic can't do that. The parents have to fix themselves, and many aren't capable of that. They're too focused on their own pain to understand their children are real people with pain of their own. But yours are capable of change. He leaned forward, laying his finger against the side of his nose. And you, Alex, you've changed as well. Even though you'll remember more of this adventure than your parents will, you'll eventually look back on it as a dream you had. All the work you've done, all the things you've learned, you keep that too. You'll see more clearly than your peers, at least for a while, before the best of them catch up. Try to help the ones who are lost and confused, as you once were. Try to make life easier for your parents and for everyone around you. Be a good boy. Then Santa laughed again, another big ho-ho-ho that made the air go blue and silver and even more shimmery than last time. Alex blinked his eyes. Wait, I haven't said goodbye to Pipstottle, he shouted. But it was too late, and then he was at the mall, sitting in the lap of a man dressed in a Santa outfit, who was most definitely not Santa. His wrinkles were too deeply cut, his white hair not curly, his beard obviously fake. But then Alex looked into the man's eyes, and they shimmered blue and silver, and the wise old elf looked at him and winked. Be good, Alex, and Merry Christmas. Then the wisdom shimmer faded out of his eyes, and he was just a strange man in a funny suit again. Ho, 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 the man said, in a voice that was too high and completely unconvincing. Alex slid off his lap and followed the elves, clearly short adults in costumes, weary and not very jolly, down the path between the ropes to the exit. Alex's mother was waiting there for him. There you are. I lost track of you for a minute. You scared me. His mom pulled him into a hug as warm as his first real elf outfit. Alex clung to her and hugged her, breathing in her scent of roses and cinnamon. I'm sorry I missed you sitting on Santa's lap, honey. I should have been there. I can shop any time. Hey, Alex. It was the girl from behind him in the Santa line, just getting done with her visit to Santa. Alex stared because the little girl in line was clearly Pipstottle. Hey, um, Penny. You were at the workshop before me, but you were after me in line? Penny shrugged. Santa, time does what he wants. Alex? his mom asked. This is Penny. We, um, made friends in line. I'll talk to her mom. Maybe we can do a play date. Really? Thanks, mom. Of course, honey. As they walked away, Alex looked at the kids in line, 
the whiners, the crazed gigglers, the siblings teasing each other, and the parents, staring at their smartphones, rolling their eyes, hauling their children apart from each other, and thought, Santa help us, every one. And welcome back. Nice to know that there is some good, sweet magic in the world still, huh? Feedback this week is for Benjamin Shridankaus, Zarakesh, and Absinthia, read by Amal Almotar. This was the story about a police officer and a detective with a deceptively singular case. Not a ton of feedback here. It was generally positive, though. Electric Paladin summed up most Formite's opinions, I think, with I loved everything in the story. I loved every word of the story, but on the other hand, the story never really resolved into sense for me. I think there was a fundamental lack of clarity, which is endemic in speculative fiction that tries to create a lyrical feel, but it was a beautiful, weird story, and I enjoyed it anyway. Well, thank you. We're glad you did, and thanks to so much to everyone who provided feedback. It's always great to hear what you thought of the stories we feature here, why don't you make a trek to the North Pole, or your local mall, and let us know what you thought of this week's story, and while you're there, please consider visiting podcastle.org and making a donation. Your money pays our authors, so they don't get press-ganged by Santa and turned into hard-bitten non-union Christmas elves hungry for revolution. Oh, before we go, I'd be remiss, it's still a few days before Christmas, if I didn't mention Pod Disc again, or have Al mention it, take it away, Al. Happy holiday season of choice, listeners. Alistair from Pseudopod here. I want to tell you about Pod Disc. Pod Disc is our store where you can buy collections of past episodes and T-shirts featuring exclusive art from all three shows. Located deep, deep in the north and run by Ari and Kimmy. Pod disc audio collections or t-shirts make perfect Christmas gifts for fans and amazingly good starting points for newcomers. The discs are available on DVD and CD, and the latter is perfect for commutes, so if you've got a relative who always wanted to try podcasting but had no idea where to start, now is the perfect time to get them on board, and that's the perfect gift. Go to poddisc.com and check out the selection there now. Thank you, good sir. Well, that was our show for this week. We do hope you enjoyed it. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, LaShawn Wanick, Graham Dunlop, Arun Jiwa, Sarah Goldman, Peter Wood, Anna Schwind, and myself, Dave Thompson, thank you all for joining us this holiday. We had fun. We hope you did too. We'll be back in one week with a new flash fiction extravaganza, exploring strange new worlds. Until then, this is Dave Thompson reminding you to watch out for Perry Willow. I'm not the only one who wants to know what's up with this periwellow off, am I? Interesting. We'll see you next time. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it, but don't change it or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva in Exile. You can find them at magnatune.com. And if you like science fiction or horror, be sure to visit our sister podcasts, Escape Pod and Pseudopod. And if you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend, or post to your blog about it, or consider donating via the PayPal link on our site. Our closing quote this week is fittingly from Charles Dickens, who said, There is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter 
and good humor. Thank you so much for listening. However you celebrate this time of year, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hogswatch, we hope you make merry. We'll see you next week. <laughs>